Here we go, one, two, three. No sunshine in the morning. No paper you at my door. You may be hearing a lot of this this afternoon. Our producer Lindsay Dunn is a huge a fan no of No Problems. I'm a legit fan as well. <laughs> I'm, I'm throwing that out there, and I have no shame in saying so as well. You, you cannot know, hear my eyes rolling. You know what? <laughs> cannot hear it. A, a gentleman that is very opinionated, and I always enjoy hearing his opinions, joining us now on the line, Toronto Star writer, covering the Raptors, Doug Smith. Doug, what do you think of No Problems and Norman Powell and his rap game? Uh, he's probably a better basketball player. Oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> this is quality. Thanks so much for taking some time, Doug, ahead of tomorrow's game. We just had John Corrales joining us to talk uh, Boston and Celtics. And as of right now, there is no update on Kyrie, if he's in or if he's out, uh, based on that hit, the inadvertent elbow from Aaron Baines last night. But looking ahead to tomorrow's game, your thoughts, whether he's in or out, let's go out in the in the sense of assuming he probably is dealing with a concussion, and I'm no doctor, but that hit looked really bad. What are you expecting from the Raptors, given the fact that Boston was able to come back from 20 points last night, get the W against Charlotte without Hayward and without Horford and without Kyrie Irving? Well, the Raptors are going to have to score, and that's really hard against Boston. They're the best defensive team in the NBA. They're really long. Tatum and uh, Jalen Brown are very effective switching everything. It's going to take a lot of. It's going to take all the Toronto ball movement and creating open shots that they can muster to get even ninety points against this team. Doug, um, a concern or not a concern? A concern or luxury in terms of the depth of this lineup and the twelve-man rotation, everyone getting minutes. What's your take on it? Do you think this is something that's working for the Raptors, or is it going to be a detriment in terms of guys not getting the rhythm with the, with the ten-man rotation? I think it's I think it's okay right now. I don't think it's sustainable through like January and February. That's for sure. I mean, keeping minutes down early in the season is not a bad thing, just so so they don't accumulate. Now they're seven and four, so it's, it's we're okay on the on the win loss side of it. I, I don't see it as an issue at, at this point, but it's going to have to get pared down to, to nine, maybe ten by the first of the year, and it's going to be up to the players to play themselves out of it because right now that group of seven through 12 is pretty much the same guy. You have no idea who's going to be good one night. And until there's some shake out there, I, I don't see any problem with playing 10 or 11 or maybe 12 most nights. Is there a guy from seven to 12, Doug, that you feel has an inside track just in terms of overall importance to this team relative to others? Uh, I, I like Pirtle a lot. I think he's going to be the guy who emerges. Um, I don't trust Lucas Nogueira to stay healthy or to do the right thing seven games in a row. Like, Pirtle's steady. Uh, no, not spectacular, but steady. I think his shooting is a little bit underrated. And you know, I think he and Siakam are going to be those guys after Miles and DeLon Wright who are in that sort of seven, eight, nine group. Talking with Toronto star Doug Smith here on Home Court. Doug, when you look at what the Raptors were able to do, they get it ugly one against Chicago, an even uglier loss against Washington, and then a very high-scoring win versus New Orleans. And outside of that one play that has now gone viral for JV with Boogie and JV slipping, in my opinion, I don't know if you'd agree, JV, I thought, did a fantastic job forcing uh, DeMarcus Cousins into a jump shooter, and then he goes, what, 8 of 20-plus from the floor that night? Yeah, 8 of 24, I think, was the number. Yeah, you know what? Valanciunas might be the most consistently good player the Raptors have had in the 10 games he's played. 
he's been really, really good all year. I mean, I think the thing that I'm noticing most of all is the way he moves his feet on defense. He's much more effective guarding in the pick and roll now than he ever was. And it's an effort and it's knowledge and it's experience, but he's, I think he's having a really, really good start to the season. You mentioned the length of Boston, obviously, with guys like Brown and Tatum, um, but we've got a long uh, 6'8 defender of Ojinonobi for the Raptors who closed the game against the Pelicans. Where do you see him, and do you see him as part of the equation of like the lineup that might close out games for this Raptors squad? Um, I'm not sure if it, he's going to be the he's going to be their best wing defender when he gets a little bit more experience on him. Um, I don't know that you can have him out there too many times late in close games because he needs scoring and teams don't guard him an awful lot. I know he made the three and got a dunk the other night, but he traveled a couple times. He he, he missed a couple of three pointers. I think he's he's got a he's got a very very promising future. I don't know whether he's ready to finish games right now, but he might be in March and April. I, I love the player, and I think he just adds a different kind of element to this team. And, and Doug, when the Eastern Conference right now is a little bit topsy turvy with the Cavs struggling so much, and although with the Raptors have had their struggles at times, this has to be an overriding success story to start the year, right? Because the biggest question heading in was what the bench was going to be all about. Young, unproven, and you can make the argument we haven't seen the best yet from the starting five as a collective, but what you got from your bench, that gives you reason to believe that when the starters tick on and turn over and get into their game, that this is going to be be a team to be reckoned with here in the Eastern Conference. Well, I, I, I always thought you could throw a blanket over Boston, Toronto, and just behind Cleveland all year, and I don't think anything's changed. I think the biggest thing for the Raptors is they're, they're surviving a very tough part of the schedule. That six-game West trip was a bear, and they got out of it very, very well. I don't think they go out of the Eastern time zone after, like, Valentine's Day. So as long as they wow. sort of hold their own, I think they got a chance to finish really strongly. And uh, when the four or five guys emerge out of the seven who play off the bench now, I think it's going to be it's going to be hugely a, a really good chance for a really strong finish. I do think one thing they have to do is figure out how to get more use out of CJ Miles, and I think he's got to play more with the starters. With and I think he's just got to play more. I think he's only playing eighteen or nineteen minutes a night. He's got to play more. And he's got to play more time with one of or both of DeRozan and Lowry. Doug Smith joining us of the Toronto Star. Doug, you did a piece talking about the officiating and and the fact that they've had a spotlight this season in this early couple weeks put on them just with the amount of technicals we've seen be given out, especially with the one that Kyle Lowry got in that Washington game early on. What was it, like six minutes before halftime and then gets ejected? Um, we all know it was a young official who is new to the NBA after his stint uh, growing in the G League, but like, how frustrating can that be? Obviously, we're not players, but from just from... Your perspective, watching you know Coach Casey and the staff deal with it, the players having to deal with it, that we hear stories of other players in the league that deal with veteran officials and even new young officials that are getting their first couple stints in, in the NBA calling games and officiating games. Some players get a bigger leash, and Lowry got a very short one, although he knew that certain words is going to trigger, but do you also put some onus on the official to give him a little bit more leash, given the fact he's playing at home and he's a three-time All-Star? Yeah, I think the officials are they're not quite getting to the confrontational uh, reputation of baseball umpires, but they're getting close, and I, I think that's got to change. They, they need to know when to walk away. 
there's a huge disparity in the in the refereeing and officiating circles in the NBA between old guys and young. Right. I think of the 64 officials, there's eight or 18 or under 10 years, and or 18 or under or over 20 years, and eight, 28 or not less than 10 years. They lost a whole bunch of officials, bunch of ref, very good experienced referees retired, mm-hmm. and the young kids aren't quite ready to manage games yet. Everybody knows the rules. Everybody knows what you can and can't say. It's game management that makes a good official stand out in my, my book. To know when to walk away, to when, know when to talk, to know when to go to a coach and say, calm your guy down. And I, I think that the guys, even with 10 years in, don't have that, that skill mastered. And until they get it, you're going to have these wild swings game to game. If you get a veteran crew, you're going to, I guess the right phrase would be, get away with more. But I also think that the veteran crew knows how to manage players' moments, uh, arguments, and games better. And that's the biggest, that's, to me, that's the biggest part of officiating is managing the moments. Yeah, and I think also, too, the veteran officials, they know how to let their, like, put their emotions aside and take that out of the equation and just ref the game and allow a guy. Because I don't know about you, Doug, but in my opinion, if that game's in Washington and John Wall does that, I don't think John Wall's getting ejected. Probably not. But again, and, you know, I, I would take Kyle and Dwayne Casey at their word that there weren't magical, magical words said. Right. I also think there probably, I think there actually probably was. And you know we don't know we 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 weren't standing in midcourt, but it was a quick it was a really quick ejection, and and DeRosa the referee should have walked away after giving the first technical, turned his back or gone down gone down to the slot, just gotten away from him. Right. Don't don't be there to be to let to be provoked. Just just take a step back, take a deep breath, and just take a step back from a confrontation. And I think an old referee would have done that. Doug, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate you taking some time here on home court. Thanks, Doug. Anytime.